Hey everybody, it's Hi. Katie and Matt with R-E-A-L, which stands for real. This is our podcast. It actually stands for, not real, it stands for real estate and life. In life. And that's what we're going to talk about today, real estate and life, yes? Yes, a lot of real things. <laughs> So we love to start our shows with, we're based in Phoenix. Um, if you don't know, both Matt and I own Team Evo AZ at eXp Realty. We do not own eXp Realty. I get that question a lot. Just a team and that is where our team um, or where our team is brokered by is eXp Realty uh, here in the Phoenix area. So talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the market. Well, lots of good things. I think most of the country is experiencing um, low inventories. Um, and uh, it's it's difficult out there, especially if you're a buyer, to, to find homes, especially here in Phoenix, very, very low inventory. Well, let's talk about what low inventory means. So the old law of supply and demand here, folks. So when the supply is down, what happens to the demand? It goes up. It goes up and then the other, you know, vice versa. Right now we're in a down supply. So we are at under, valley-wide we're about under two months of inventory right here as we sit. Um, and a balanced market is right around four months. Yeah. So we are hot and heavy in a seller's market right now. And like Matt said, we have tons and tons of buyers. Many are finding wonderful, wonderful homes to move into, but some just aren't. Some are waiting for that perfect property to come along. And there's not a lot of properties being listed right now. No, especially in certain price ranges. So, Yes, true that. Talk a little bit about rates. Rates right now are very, very, very low. Very low. Very low. And that's one of the things that's kind of stimulating a lot of buyers to enter the market. Why would you not want to capitalize on these low, low rates? It's becoming a lot more affordable is what Matt's trying to say. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I'm here for you, babe. Yeah. So rates are in like the mid to upper threes, kind of depending on what type of loan you're looking for. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a really good idea to, to talk to your, uh, to your lender or our lender, um, Brian. Um, and get the exact details from them because Be rates change all the time. APRs, all that are, are very different. And that's why we're not quoting a specific amount because there really isn't something we can quote. Right. And there's a lot of factors that are involved in what type of rate you end up with at the end of the day. So again, talking with your lender is going to be super, super important here. We absolutely love Ryan at Waterstone Mortgage. So if you don't have anybody that you love and trust, we love and trust him so much that not only does he do all of our loans for our properties, but he even did it for my mother. So if I'm going to refer my mother to somebody, you bet your sweet ass I love him. Yes. All right, so here we go. Um, today we're talking about refinancing. And Matt and I, we have four homes. Three of them we have tenants in. We live in one of them. And we decided to refinance one of our properties. Yes. Yeah. So why did we even start the conversation in the first place? Oh, I think just the, I, the reason the conversation came up is because rates went so low and we were like, oh my gosh, they're in the mid threes. And then we thought, well, does that really help us on any of our properties? We knew most of the investments that we purchased and homes that we purchased were in the low fours, but we weren't really sure. So we decided, hey, let's go ahead and pull up all the mortgages to see exactly where our rates are at and what we can save on. And sure enough, um, it, it dinged on our primary residence, which we purchased um, a little over a year a ago. over a year. It was March of 2018, and that was actually when rates were the highest they were in some time. I think we locked in at like a 4.8, close to 5% on that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, by talking with Ryan and having him kind of 
run through all of our numbers, he says, I can save you a lot of money on that. And ultimately that's what said, okay, you got our attention. Let's, let's move forward. Right. So what kind of questions did we ask ourselves as we were, you know, doing the pros and cons, um, to make this decision, to move toward this? Um, we wanted to take the approach that was the logical approach was how is this going to save us money? We know that there's going to be upfront costs in doing any type of refinance. How long is it going to take this savings to pay back those upfront costs? And mm -hmm. does this really make sense? Now, Kate and I kind of, we take a, an approach that every property we buy, we never sell. We want to hang on to them and turn them into rentals. So the most important thing with any of our, our, our loans is, is getting that 30 year mortgage that's locked in at a very, very appealing rate. And as this being our primary residence right now, yeah, we're living in it, but we know at some point in time, it could be two years, it could be five years, who knows, it will turn into a rental. So we want to make sure that this plays into our investment goals. And, and by talking with Ryan, him saying, Hey, I can pretty much drop your, 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 your rate almost a full percentage. Um, it, it was very appealing. Super appealing. And we'll get to another reason why here in just a minute, but let's talk about appraised value. Mm -hmm. Appraised value plays into this pretty big, does it not? Yeah. So appraised value is ultimately going to determine, determine what, you know, the value of your home is based on what they're going to lend on it. Now, um, we always take the approach on trying to leverage our money as best as we can, but also try to eliminate any fees that we can get around, which right. would be PMI. So, and that's private mortgage insurance. And if you're, if you have less than 20% down or equity in the home, you're going to have to pay this fee and it could range anywhere from 80 to $170 a month plus, um, so being in the position we were at, um, we didn't have to worry about PMI because uh, we knew that there was equity there. Mm -hmm. But in any stance that the refinance is going or the lender is going to take, they're going to say, we have to determine if you have 20% of value, which mm -hmm. is where the appraisal comes in. Right. So, but let's back up before that. So okay. you're talking about, so the rates are low. You're thinking, okay, we have this house. This might work out really well on, but before you even get the ball rolling with the lender, it's probably a good idea to figure out if refinancing is even possible if you're in the, you know, below that 80% loan to value mark. So it's probably a good idea to get an idea of what your property is worth, you know, is valued at prior to moving in this direction. Would you yeah, agree? I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. And you know, there's a few different ways you can kind of put your toes in the water without committing to paying for a fourth four to $800 appraisal fee, right. which be, you know, reaching out to your favorite realtor um, and saying, Hey, could you, do you mind just taking a look at what do you think my home's value is at? Mm -hmm. And they can do that and say, Hey, you know, this is where we roughly think you're at. Um, and then that will give you a good peace of mind to say, okay, yeah, this is something we should move forward with or not or wait, or what should we do? Right. So just reach out to me or Matt or anybody on team Evoazy and just say, Hey, here's my address. Can you pull some comparables? It's just going to be on paper. It's not going to be, you know, as detailed as if you were listing the property by any means, but it's going to give you a good idea of whether or not you should move down this road and, you know, spend some time working on the refinance and talking with a lender and that kind of thing. Um, what do we need to have prepared for supporting documentation? Well, and that's, that's something that kind of have in the back of your brain. It's a great question because a refi is pretty much almost 
like a purchase. And if anyone remembers purchasing their home, you had to jump through many hoops from the underwriter, from the lender, as far as gathering previous tax documentations, all the income associated with those returns, um, current bank statements, IDs. And of course, if you have self-employment or any type of corporation set up or any other types of income, you're going to have to provide proof in anything that the underwriter might require. So it's good to go into this expecting that. Expect that, okay, I'm going to probably have to pull some teeth by pulling up all this documentation and getting organized and, uh, and kind of expect that. And if it doesn't happen, then that's a bonus. Mm -hmm. But don't be like, oh, if it is, expect it. Right. It's somewhat similar to purchasing the house, like yeah. what Matt said. I mean, it's a lot of the same documentation because they've got to confirm a lot of the same things. Yeah. So um, best thing to do is chat with your favorite lender or Ryan at Waterstone and get a list of what those items will be so that you can start putting them together, together prior to the ball rolling. Yeah. So that is refi basics um, from our perspective. If you have any questions at all, obviously get in touch with us and you can find us on Facebook. Matt Lambert, Katie Lambert, um, or you can go to our website, which is evoaz.com, or hit up our page on Facebook, which is Team EvoAZ, pretty easy to find. Uh, yeah. You can get to us from all of those. Yeah, and one, one more thing to kind of jump back in, I don't think we, we brought it up, was when we were talking about the appraisal, the, the importance of having 20% is sometimes the writing on the wall to the lender that they don't need to order an appraisal. So in our situation, because we did have over 20% of equity, we were able to request from the lender, hey, can we waive the appraisal on this? You should be able to do a desktop appraisal, which mm -hmm. is something a lender would do internally. And they would say, okay, the writing's on the wall that the equity's there. Let's, let's not, we don't need this extra um, document as the appraisal which is great because in this case, I think it was like $550 and that's what it saved us in closing costs. So that's another really good thing to keep in the back of your mind when you're you know, talking to your lender about this refi. Exactly, save on those fees, as, as many fees as you can save on because that goes back into the initial question, costs versus savings. Mm -hmm. So when you're calculating that, it's really important to know exactly what those numbers are and when this is going to pay itself off basically. Yeah or pay for itself, I should say. Um, so real quick, before we let you run, we had one last thing that we wanted to share, and it's something that Ryan at Waterstone actually helped us with, kind of coached us through, and that is how to pay off your loan a little bit more quickly. Let's just, you know, figuring that you have a 30-year fixed or whatever, mm -hmm. but how to pay that off a little bit more quickly. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, there's, there's an equilibrium that they realized that if you are to pay one extra payment a year, um, which would be ultimately if you wanted to pay an extra whole payment in that year or increase your paint your payment by one twelfth each payment um, that would save you about five years on a 30-year mortgage which is huge um, it's a now, lot of interest it's a lot of interest and it's just it's 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 very complex how it works out to be this exact one twelfth or one extra payment a year to, to give you the savings. And you might think, Oh, well, what if I make two payments that save me 10 years? No, it doesn't work like that. Cause that's what I thought. I'm like, well, why not? Let's just, and Ryan was quick to say, no, it's just actually where it works out. So, you know, there's a lot of people that actually set up biweekly payments and you say, Oh, well, how would that do anything? Well, because of the days and weeks and, and, and months, it works out that way to actually making one extra payment a year if you did that bi-weekly. 
we realized that, you know, how much these loans change hands, mm -hmm. setting all this up it, to do a biweekly can be a nightmare and making sure each servicer does that. So Ryan's advice was just increase your payment one twelfth. So take your mortgage payment. That would just be your principal. Don't mm -hmm. add in all the taxes and all, just whatever your principal right. amount is, you know what I mean? Divide that by 12 and that's going to be the amount that you add to each payment. Add to toward yeah, principal. Towards principal. So you know, so that's what, so what we decided is because of keeping all of our properties and we're going to be, you know, these are our investments for our future, for kid, everything like that. Let's do that. So we increased all of our payments, which it was really like less than, I think it was right around a hundred and something dollars a month, each payment, but that's going to shave five years off a 30 year mortgage, which is awesome. That's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of interest. Mm -hmm. Saved. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So awesome. All right, guys. Until next time. Ciao. Bye. Bye.